The Fantasy Focus Football Podcast is presented by GEICO. Whether you rent or own, GEICO makes it easy to bundle home and auto insurance. Go to GEICO.com today. The Fantasy Focus Football Podcast is presented by Century 21. Fantasy, you're in the whole 6010. Focus. Fantasy. Fantasy. Focus. Happy Wednesday to you and yours. Fantasy Focus Football Podcast. Field Yates, Mike Clay, and Starf on you about playing injured or hurt? Uh, playing, playing hurt, but here. And I'm in this really low chair, so I look like. I'm, 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 like, a, I'm in a high I'm chair. Like a kid seat. I, I feel too high. I'll do it too. Yeah, yeah. That was mine. I don't know the if I can put this one down any lower. Okay. Yeah. I would rather be lower. I would rather be lower. Okay. Wait. Mike is asserting his dog. Oh, wait, it's going. Oh. Hey. There we go. Hey. Now we're all back. Normal for those of you watching us all over the interwebs, Twitter, Facebook, uh, ESPN app. I know I'm forgetting something else. Um, we've Me got too. a plenty. YouTube as well. Thank you to the YouTubers. We got plenty to get into today. It's Wednesday, which means we'll be focusing on the week ahead. Stefania being here gives us plenty of time to dive into all of the injury updates of note. Plus, we got a bunch of, um, you know, some rankings, conversations, some news. And we've got a segment surrounding Mike Clay. Everybody wants more what? Mike Clay. We are giving it to you later on today. Who, so do, two people really want more Mike Clay. Who's that? Two. <laughs> I don't know. Two. Oh, I thought who? you were saying like no. Who oh, do oh, really? Who? Yeah, who who does? Do people really want Mike Clay? Well, your wife listens to the show. No, she doesn't. She, she certainly doesn't? does not listen okay. to the podcast. Do is... your children listen to the show? They're young. They, they definitely probably have a podcast not. app, no. right? No, they don't. Okay. My well. parents, though, they, they don't listen either. <laughs> you don't know what you're missing out on. Let's get to it. She's not a cone. She's your favorite gal. She's the fun you Sure is Stefania Bell, and as lovely as the voice of Chit and Chip and Kit are mm-hmm. today, um, Stefania is going to power through it. She's obviously a little bit under the weather right now, but Stefania, you are always good whenever you are here. Let's begin with Tyree Kill, Chiefs wide receiver, and it feels like we've gotten several updates, Stefania, on Tyree Kill, but they've all kind of brought us back to the same conclusion about what he's dealing with and how much time he's going to miss. Yeah, I was kind of proud of myself. I made made a little new. I broke a little news. on Night. Wow. Just in terms of what the actual injury was. He had a posterior dislocation of his sternoclavicular joint. And for those who are on video, it's right here. It's where your collarbone and your sternum meet. So a lot of times when you fall on your shoulder, the big risk is like Nick Foles, broken collarbone right. or separated shoulder. His happened here. It actually dislocated posteriorly, meaning the collarbone went backwards. The reason that's such a big deal because behind there, really important blood vessels like your aorta, big veins, your trachea, your esophagus. So they have to be careful in terms of repositioning that. And the only way you do it is at the hospital where they have a cardiothoracic surgeon on standby in case something goes wrong. That's how serious this is. So props to the medical staffs for expediting, recognizing it, getting him to the hospital. Luckily, they did not have to do surgery. They did not have to go in surgically to fix it. They were able to reduce it um, at the hospital, re-image it, be comfortable that it was stable. He stayed overnight, then went back to Kansas City. Now it's getting the swelling and the pain down, getting him back to football. The only comp we have in recent memory of a wide receiver having this injury is Danny Amendola back in 2012. Remember that. Yeah. He missed five weeks, sort similar um, situation, did not require surgery, and... 
you know, he was back, I think, practicing. He showed up at the London game with the team, but they had him back in five weeks. You have to allow the soft tissue to heal so you're comfortable with the guy landing on it again. And Danny Amendola came back and had no further problems and hasn't had a problem with it since. So if you look at a very small sample size of one, that's a pretty close comp, but everybody's different. So around, that's why you're here. If you hear a timetable of four to six weeks, sounds like it could be right, but you have to be prepared for longer. Uh, I think we would we may we may learn something if the Chiefs do mm-hmm. not put Tyree Kill on the injury res, injured reserve list. It tells you that like hey, there is hope it could be less than eight, which again would jive with that four to six week injury report that Stefania just mentioned. So, Mike, there are two players who are directly impacted by this news. Sammy Watkins is a player that was I think he was the star of fantasy football amongst wide receivers. So, Mike, let's dive right into there. Sammy Watkins has one great game. Uh, Tyreek Hill is not going to play on Sunday. How high does Sammy Watkins climb in your rankings this week? He climbs up to wide receiver eight, and I think we're all on there, right? I think we're we all on wide literally receiver eight. wide receiver eight across yeah. the board. We yeah. are indeed. So he is a wide receiver one for now, and we saw that in display in week one. We saw why. I mean, yeah, he caught some breaks with the touchdowns, right? One of them he was wide open. The other, he just caught the ball in the middle of the field and just kind of chilled there, and no one tackled him. So he ran all the way down the field for a touchdown. That's not going to happen every week, certainly, but he had terrific opportunity. The volume was there. Obviously, the snaps and routes are going to be there, and I've, I'm told he is a good quarterback as well in Patrick Mahomes, so he's going to be very busy in this offense. There's no question he's on that wide receiver one radar. Uh, behind him, the next guy I would want, I mean, you're picking be, between the rookie, Michael Hardman, and Demarcus Robinson, the veteran, who's been around a while, but Hardman, I think we kind of all expected him to start really slow and not play too much out of the gate. He actually ran, played more snaps and ran more routes than Robinson already in week one. So I fully expect them to try to utilize him similarly uh, to where they used Hill. And, you know, I know we only had one target in week one, but that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to have one target next week. He could have seven in, in this game. So um, I think he is the priority add. He's he's kind of flown under the radar with these other young receivers that broke out, but I think he's a guy that should be on rosters. He feels like the comparable guy because he's super fast. Yeah. And he can stretch the field. Well, he was, as you may recall, yeah. the Tyreek Hill audio that sort of got the ball rolling again with his off-field case came out on the first night of the NFL draft. The Chiefs used a second-round pick on Miko Hardman. If they imagine Tyreek Hill being on their roster, Miko Hardman was sort of a luxury pick, right? I mean, and so the reason why they drafted him was because they didn't necessarily foresee Tyreek Hill definitely being on their roster. So Hardman is a comparable to... Um, what he actually, uh, what Tyree Kill brings to the table. So let's just double back to Sammy Watkins one more time here, because what Watkins brings to the table is not just opportunity. And you mentioned some of the things that happened last week that may not be likely to happen again. But Tyree, I mean, uh, Sammy Watkins. Remember, this is a player they signed to a three-year, forty-eight million dollar contract last year, fourth overall pick in the draft in twenty fourteen. Sammy Watkins is unbelievable. And for so the Chiefs, running really fast. Yeah, like I thought he ran really well. And basically, if you are the number one wide receiver for Patrick Mahomes, then you've got a chance to be fantasy relevant in a major way each and every week. So um, I think that let's say Sammy Watkins has just a pedestrian day on Sunday, something like four for seventy. I'm still going to keep running him back as a top fifteen play until Tyree Kill emerges. That, like there's just too much value there for a player that obviously has had plenty of natural talent for a long time and an offense that. Not just has good players, but great scheme. He's going to find mm-hmm. ways to get guys open. Yeah, no question about it. And keep in mind, he was delivering borderline wide receiver two numbers last season when he was healthy. In fact, he was very close to Hill in terms of targets during the weeks they both played in full together. So 
you know, he not only could be a fringe wide receiver one over the next month or so until Hill's back, he might be a top 25 receiver the rest of the season. Interesting to watch that one for sure. Yes. (laughs) If Sammy himself can stay healthy. Another injury update involves Joe Mixon, Cincinnati Bengals. He left the game in week one against the Seahawks. He did not return, and Stefania. It was an ankle injury. Now, uh, Wednesday is usually the first is the first day of practice for teams that play on Sunday. So while the Thursday night game has already begun practice, everybody else gets going today. Do we expect to see Joe Mixon practicing today or perhaps playing on Sunday? Well, this is the thing to watch. It sounds as if they are feeling pretty good. They're calling him day to day. Ankle sprain. If you saw the injury, like the, the still, he got hit by the Seattle defenders. Ankle is basically ninety degrees over hitting the ground. So it certainly looked ugly, but the MRI gave them a sigh of relief. I still would say even if he plays, you got to remember it doesn't automatically make him 100% effective. I'm nervous here and I wonder if it's worth it for them to play Joe Mixon early on in the season coming off of an ankle issue that, you know, typically when a when a player does not return to a game, especially one that was close, especially an injury that happened fairly early on in the game, then yeah, it raises a red flag for me. So I've got my eyes on Giovanni Bernard as the starting running back for the Bengals this week. I was the only one of us three that did not rank Joe Mixon, just anticipating the possibility of him not playing. So I've got Bernard running back 23. Mike, if Joe Mixon sits and Giovanni Bernard plays and is basically the lone starting running back in Cincinnati. How high would he climb in your ranks, you believe? He's gonna he's gonna rise higher than you, for sure. I think he'll be yeah. in the I'll think I think he'll be in the top twenty or top fifteen, excuse me, or very close to it. And you know, I mentioned these stats yesterday, but I'll just mention them again to drive it home. RB six last season during the two weeks Joe Mixon mix, uh, missed. He had thirty six touches in those games, 182 yards, three touchdowns. You know, they can you you mentioned maybe just Get, taking it easy on Mixon early in the season. Obviously, you don't have to force it. They also have Gio Bernard, so they don't have to force it, right? You have a right. good backup plan. This guy has at times can handle 14, 15 carries and six targets. He he can do that. And then, uh, of course, you have a, a Travion Williams or a Samaj P. Ryan who can handle you know five or six carries, and you're good. You're good for a week or two. So, um, yeah, if, if Mixon is out, Bernard should be in all lineups. Uh, Joe Mixon, I'm sorry, Giovanni Bernard, by the way, a player they recently gave an extension to, yep. right? So they, they have a lot of investment in, in Giovanni <clears throat> Bernard, not just as a player, obviously a great, great person is Giovanni Bernard as well. Uh, Stefania did not go to the 49ers game on Sunday, we don't think. But Tevin Coleman, uh, left what is, with what has been described as a high ankle sprain. Stefania, that to me sounds a little bit tricky for a running back. It is, and the fact that they were concerned immediately about how significant it was. Uh, so, you know, it's not, you know, a low-grade high ankle sprain cannot be too bad. I think we always assume, like, oh, that's so much worse. But if it's a low-grade one, uh, guys can come back and sometimes play in the following week. In Tevin Coleman's case, uh, they've already indicated they expect a multiple-week absence, although they're saying out this week for sure, week to week after that. If you look at the average data on running backs with high ankle sprains, there's an average of four to six weeks missed, and when they return, about 80 to 85% of their original production. So there's some information for you, but obviously it elevates Matt Breida and potentially Rasheem Mostert. So, yeah, well, I think uh, there was some buzz we discussed in the podcast yesterday that they could promote Jeff Wilson Jr. from the practice squad. My sense is that they would probably do that on Saturday if they're going to do it, just so that you can to get through your practice week in case somebody else gets hurt on the roster. There are a lot of reasons why teams kind of wait until Saturday and make those promotions. But for now, Mike, 
Matt Breida, the man in this San Francisco backfield, and I don't know if like uh, I don't know how like how popular he is in terms of people across the NFL, but Matt Breida is one of those players that I think no matter whom you root for is fun to watch. He plays bigger than his frame, if that makes sense. Usually, guys play smaller than their frame. He plays the opposite, bigger than his frame. Runs incredibly hard, uh, has this great balance about him, and he's sort of made of steel, right? He went through so many small injury issues last year and just kept on coming back and coming back and coming back some more. If Tevin Coleman, I'm sorry, sits and Matt Breida is the guy, how high would he climb in your rankings in a matchup against the Bengals, who last week got torched by Chris Carson? Yeah, I think he would be a good flex option, a borderline RB2. I have him at RB23 on my board right now. So I think that's where he falls. Yeah, this guy has been effective. He struggled a bit after contact, which has always bothered me a little bit. But sometimes that goes with being an undersized back. Like you said, he seems bigger than he is, but sometimes that's part of the process. He still averages almost five and a half yards per carry. Uh, Stepped up his game as a pass catcher last season. The efficiency was terrific. And uh, the one thing I'll say is, though, I don't think he's going to be close to a workhorse, right? I think you'll see plenty of Jeff Wilson and you'll see Raheem Mostert as well. I mean, you look at the snaps just this past week. Uh, Tevin Coleman only played 16 plays before he was injured. Matt Breida, 26 snaps to 18 for Mostert and nine pass routes for Breida, six for Mostert. So it was very close, not to mention that they like that Kyle Juszczyk guy. They like to work him in in passing situations too. I will tell you this. When I was at camp, it was clear that everyone felt Matt Breida was the top performer. But everybody knew he was never going to be the primary workhorse because they felt he wouldn't hold up to it. And I think that's been their concern with all their backs. So it's not going to change just because one is hurt. Well, if anything, it's going to cement their point, right? right? We've already got one guy hurt. We don't want to just turn the keys over to Matt Breida, play him on 85% of the snaps, see him get hurt. And the next thing you know, we're playing Raheem Mostert, who is nice change of pace. had a compound fracture in his forearm last year. He's our best special teams player as well. So they need him to cover kicks and do a lot of other things. Um, one more piece of injury news. And by the way, I agree with Mike's take on Matt Breida as a flex option. We've all got him right. 24, 23, 22. Uh, one more piece of injury news. Stephen Funches, signed by the Colts this offseason to a one-year deal, is on IR now, Stefania, because was it a collarbone injury? Right. Same type of thing. Uh, you know, we talked about Nick Foles getting driven into the ground. Devin Funches going up for a jump ball. Awkward landing. Forced through the shoulder. Breaks your collarbone. On IR. Should be good to come back. After that, if you look at Will Fuller as a comp, um, missed about the amount of time. This is a couple extra weeks cushion. But in the meantime, I really like Deion Kane. This is a guy they love in Indy. He played one preseason game last year before tearing his ACL, stayed behind, rehabbed there, got more bonded with the team, familiar with the offense. And he was out there last week, got a couple catches for 35 yards, ended up being the third in targets. I think he has the chance to be somebody to keep your eye on. I wouldn't rank him this week. But I really want to see what he does this week. Well, you're right. The Colts have loved this player since they drafted him last year. Sixth round, obviously missed the season because of the ACL injury, but a player with some promise. And, Mike, there's a there's a rule that um, we must talk about a Clemson wide receiver every single day <laughs> on the podcast because there are approximately 80 of them in the NFL. Yeah, we already covered Watkins, right? Yep. So we're well, that's a good point. I <laughs> guess we don't matter. Yeah. Daniel, why we come on? <laughs> Uh, yeah, we'll check uh, Kane off here as well. Uh, here's the thing about Kane. He only played 10 snaps in week one, but if you look at the structure of their wide receiver room, it makes it seem like he has a path to playing every down because you have T.Y. Hilton who plays half inside, half outside. Chester Rogers is purely a slot receiver. Paris Campbell, we expect to play kind of a Randall Cobb sort of slot backfield role where he gets a few carries, some return opportunities. 
Uh, and then Zach Pascal, of course, add some depth there. But Kane should be the natural fit to replace Funches on the perimeter. He has good size. He's 6'2". Yeah. He has good wheels. He runs a 4'4". He can, can contribute on all three levels. I mean, I think there's a, really a lot to like here. In deeper leagues, I think he should be added to Vincent. To your point about the low snap volume, I think their goal was to ramp him up a little bit. And Devin Funches got hurt late in the game. Yeah. So now yeah. I think the ramp up goes a little faster. Now the the uh, Colts offensive coordinator is a guy named Nick Sirianni who – prior to being the Colts offensive coordinator, was a wide receivers coach in Los Angeles for the Chargers. So I mentioned that only because like you look at a guy's previous stops and like what kind of business he probably values. If he likes a wide receiver, he probably knows him pretty darn well, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he, that's, that's what he has been accustomed to throughout his career. So that always kind of puts your radar up a little bit. Uh, good stuff there on the injuries, Stefania, playing through your own injury mm-hmm. as well. And hiring can be a slow process for those that are not previously, previously aware. Cafe Altura's COO, Dylan Miskowitz, needed to hire a director of coffee for his organic coffee company. It sounds like a dream job, but he was having trouble finding qualified candidates. So he switched to ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. Its technology identifies people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job so you get qualified candidates fast. Dylan posted his job on ZipRecruiter and said he was impressed by how quickly he had great candidates apply. He also used ZipRecruiter's candidate rating feature to filter his applicants so he could focus on the most relevant ones. And that's how Dylan found his new director of coffee in just a few days. Sadly, I was not his pick. With results like that, it's no wonder four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. With uh, Why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes and remember, Try ZipRecruiter for free at our web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash 06010. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash 06010. One more time for all those in the back. ZipRecruiter.com slash 06010. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. All right, let's get to rankings chatter. And uh, typically this is around the time of the week when people are setting their lineups. Thursday game is just around the corner. It's Panthers and Buccaneers. We'll preview it tomorrow. Last week, the Jaguars got into a track meet against the Chiefs. Now, they fell several, several, many, many lengths behind. But still, they threw the ball a ton. And the question is this. Can you trust Jaguars wide receivers to deliver again in Week 2 like they did in Week 1? We anticipate this being a slightly different game, perhaps, against the Texans, who, of course, are playing uh, their first, uh, second, I'm sorry, their first home game of the year after playing New Orleans this past Monday night in New Orleans. So let's go through them, and there are three of note here. D.D. Westbrook, D.J. Shark, and Chris Conley. Based off of how we have them ranked, and I would say just really common sense plus preseason buzz, it's clear that if there is one Jaguars wide receiver you're going to trust the most, it's D.D. Westbrook. And I get it. He had the fewest receiving yards and the second fewest uh, receptions amongst these three players, but he's going to be the player that has probably in most weeks sees the greatest target share. He was the guy that they were locked in on throughout the preseason. So to me, Mike... The one guy that I trust implicitly, or close to implicitly, is D.D. Westbrook. You and I both have him at wide receiver 39. Is it close, though, behind that, or am I off base at all with D.D. Westbrook? Um, I'm, I'm a little more optimistic on Chris Conley. I kind of liked him as a sleeper coming into this season. But I will say this. I mean, the original question you you posed was, uh, can we expect them to repeat this sort of performance? And I think the answer is no. I mean, they had a great matchup. We talked about it on Fantasy Football Now and on the podcast last week. We kind of expected that with them likely playing from behind and with uh, perimeter corner problems for the Chiefs. So that wasn't totally shocking. Uh, if you look at Houston, they have 
Bradley Roby uh, on the outside and Jonathan Joseph. That is a better cornerback group for, uh, on the outside. So DJ Chark and Chris Conley not quite as appealing. But D.D. Westbrook, I mean, we had some kind of news last night. Aaron Colvin cut loose by the Texans. Obviously, it's been a struggle since they brought him in actually over from Jacksonville. So we will not get a chance at his revenge game this weekend. Uh, but I don't know if his revenge game is signing with the Jaguars today and then playing against the Texans. So it's double revenge. I'm getting revenge on the Jags by showing you I'm good. Mm. And I'm also showing the Texans that I shouldn't have been cut. And then he shuts down Kenny Stills, perhaps. On the other, yeah, <laughs> I said revenge, didn't yeah. I? Yes, exactly. Exactly. But uh, anyway, uh, mm. I, I mentioned that because I don't know what the Texans answer is in the slot right now. I mean, I look back at their preseason usage and there was a kid named Xavier Crawford that was the next man up in the slot, and maybe he fills in. I mean, he's—I don't even think he played a snap. What about Keon Crossan, maybe they yeah, acquired very, him in a trade recently. Very um, possible, but again, a guy that has not made an impact at the NFL level yet, at least at a high level. So it's very possible that actually, I would say pretty confidently that D.D. Westbrook has the best matchup this week, barring one of these kids surprisingly being very effective right away. And that's possible. I mean, sure. maybe there's a reason they cut Colvin because they thought, you know what, we have a better player making less money. We're gonna we're gonna put him in the lineup. So. um We'll see how it works out, but I think Westbrook, he's going to get a mention on the receiver cornerback article this week. I think he's an upgrade, and I think he is the preferred play. And by the way, he did play more snaps than the other Jags receivers last week, so he's still the preferred play. Still think Conley in 12-teamers is a flex. DJ Chark, end of bench right now. I'm excited for him, but not enough target volume yet. A reminder that Mike's uh, article is actually posted right now on ESPN.com. Is it the Fantasy 32 or the Wide Receiver Cornerback? Wide Receiver Cornerback. They're both up. Fantasy, yeah, Fantasy 32 yesterday, Receiver yeah, Corner today. I saw for the re- Wide Receiver Cornerback. You know it's my favorite article. I tell you. Thank you. Mike you do. I appreciate that every time. That much is true. Uh, so the Bills win in week one. They take down the Jets. They come back from behind. And, you know, a couple of things caught people's eyes in the first half. The turnovers by Josh Allen. What do you have? Do you have four turnovers in the first half of that game? It was two fumbles, two picks. Right. Yeah. So two fumbles, two picks in the Not first half start. of the first game of the season. Not exactly how you draw it up. But. And yet he was really impressive in week one in the second half. Architects that comeback ends up with 16 fantasy points with when you have four turnovers, it's a pretty good fantasy day, all things considered. He did run it 10 times. And this week he faces the New York Giants, who, as we saw last weekend, apparently struggled to provide resistance against opposing quarterbacks. Josh Allen is a player that I've been optimistic about because I've sort of been on the Bills bandwagon this offseason about them doing things the right way. Top 10 play this week. I've got him at 10. You both have him at 9. Exciting to see Josh Allen making some strides and not relying merely on you know 80 to 100 rushing yards to be fantasy relevant in a given week. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm not known as a, a Bills optimist. In fact, I might be known as the opposite to Bills fans. Not right, not yeah. a big fan of of me for sure. Um, but I'm going to say nice things right now about Josh Allen for sure. I yeah. think he is a, a top ten option here. He has exceeded already my highest expectations for him in the NFL, and I think we're the analytics community as a whole probably going to be wrong. I mean, this guy uh, looks pretty good and is only improving. Uh, but here's the thing. You mentioned the turnovers last week. That really bit him from what could have been a much better day. He was QB 18 in fantasy, but he was actually QB 3 in OFP or expected fantasy points. That full list is up at uh, at ESPN+. Plus. That tells me that he had a great opportunity to score a ton of fantasy points. Generally, those guys, unless the efficiency is terrible, will bounce back. You mentioned the 10 carries. Uh, as for of throwing efficiency, we did see him play more conservative ball, and that's what we wanted to see. He had the highest average depth to throw in the league last season. That was down to 8.1. That We saw his completion percentage go up to 65%. That's a good sign. And remember, this isn't completely out of nowhere. He finished last season with four top five fantasy weeks in his in his last, or four top fives in his last six games, and you mentioned it. 
the Giants or uh, the Giants he just gave up 405 yards and four touchdowns to Dak Prescott. So I think he's a, a QB one this week. I like him. And I like the fact that at the end he was totally owning it. And I think field you're onto something because it's like the whole team. They, they're very in, um, in sync and all supporting each other. That goes a long way to having a quick, you know, what do they call it? Short memory. So you forget about that. Come back. You fixed it. You have a great start, a great matchup this week. You know, it just looked more consistent in the second half, obviously. So it's a small sample size, but optimistic about Josh Allen and his future with the Bills and the Bills' future in general. So last Sunday night, uh, the Steelers played their fifth oh. preseason game against the Patriots. Um, at least based off how they performed, that's what it was, right? The fifth preseason game in which Dante Moncrief, awful. James yeah. Washington, Actually, not so much. You know, I can't put too much of this on James Washington. He was basically the vertical threat and not much more in that game. But going into this season, we are optimistic. Can you stay or should you stay away from any? I'll ask you this, Stefania. You have the opportunity to play any Steelers wide receiver not named Juju Smith-Schuster. Would you play anybody that was not Juju who catches passes for a living for the Pittsburgh Steelers? Not right now. Not touching it. I actually, I mean, it's a sacrilege, but I had Ben Roethlisberger as my best quarterback for this year, going into the year. I just don't love their offense outside of James Conner. And uh, I think Juju will have ups and downs as a result. But I I was never interested in Dante Moncrief or James Washington. Well, Mike, it can't get any worse, that's for sure. But amongst (laughs) the players not named Juju Smith-Schuster, I think people are going to have to start somebody. My question, I think, is this. And again, this is all small sample size. So... What I wonder is, we all assumed, or we all hoped, that what would happen would be, hey, Antonio Brown is gone, Juju steps into the Antonio Brown role. Then instead of, and then what happens is is then Dante Moncrief or James Washington steps into the Juju role. Maybe what we saw on Sunday night, when you look at the rotation closely, you look at the routes that players are running and the way that the ball was distributed, that maybe the idea was, no, 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 it's not going to be that we have one player assume the juju role. It's going to be a collection of talent that picks things up enough that they can still be a top passing offense. Now, the first first matchup was, was brutal. It's also week one. A lot of teams look like crud. And the Patriots, you know, have one of the best secondaries in the NFL. Do you think, though, it's maybe more, you think it's, more likely that one player emerges as a consistent number two or that no one emerges enough to even bother playing them in a winning fantasy lineup most weeks? I think for now, they're going to use all of them. And at some point, maybe someone emerges. And that guy most likely would be James Washington. So yeah. he's the guy I would want on my bench right now. I agree with Stefani. I'm not going to start any of these guys right now. Um, you know, it's it's interesting, though, because you mentioned you mentioned them maybe putting Juju in that Brown role. I think they might have tried to, because if you look at their preseason usage, Juju was playing on the outside, and we're used to him being a slot. And you had James Washington in the slot. Uh, that they, they didn't carry that over to the regular season. Uh, Juju was back in the slot, and Washington played on the outside on Sunday night. So that seems to be the plan. I think that's good news for Smith-Schuster. It's going to allow him to be freed up from top corners. Uh, Interesting, because I, I kind of wonder if what they were thinking was, hey, traditionally the Patriots have not use Stephon Gilmore yes. to shadow slot receivers. Let's get Juju away from Gilmore in week one, put him in the slot. Well, then, as you, I think you were just about to say, that's it did a, not end up happening. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Uh, that might have been the plan, and Gilmore certainly did go in, and that's kind of why he was neutralized a bit. But normally in the NFL, guys won't they won't do that. You don't see that right. often. Like, oh, he, we, we, he's probably going to get shot on the outside. Let's put him in the slot more often. You see it once in a while, a little bit, but not to that extent. So I'll be surprised if he plays outside more often. I will say this, though. Moncrief and Washington, and I guess Deontay Johnson to some extension, 
have a chance to bounce back. Actually, all of them do because Seattle just got lit right. up. That quarterback position, they have 18 passing yards by Andy Dalton. Yeah, Trey Flowers, rough day. Uh, They've Shaq Griffin on the other side. Home, which is always better. Yeah, they don't know what they're doing in the slot right now. You will go Amadi, a mid round rookies playing the slot. I mean, all of these Steelers receivers have a shot to bounce back. Wouldn't shock me if Big Ben threw for 400 yards this week. Also, Big Ben home. I know it was sort of diffused last year, but he is always very good at home. My immediate thought after that game was like, are we back to the home road split? God, I hope not. (laughs) Some actually, I don't have too much investment in Ben Roethlisberger this year, but for somebody who does. That's got to be frustrating. All right, Mike. Um, maybe we're not going to play any of them in their season-long lineups, but here we go. Would you play any of those Pittsburgh Steelers in your daily lineups? And if so, where would you do it? Where would you play such games? I would uh, play them. I, well, if we're talking Moncrief or Washington, maybe in a DFS DraftKings tournament lineup. Oh, where DraftKings. Yeah, DraftKings. I've heard, they're, I've heard they're good. Uh, in fact, week one, you may know, is in the books, but DraftKings is not finished celebrating with some huge fantasy football contests. For week number two of the football season, DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy football, is giving new users a free shot at over $1.5 million in prizes with your first deposit when you visit DraftKings.com slash FFF. Draft your lineup and feel the sweat like never before. Every run, throw, and catch mean more with a DraftKings lineup on the line. It's simple. Just draft your lineup, stand or the salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. Plus, all new and existing users get a deposit bonus up to $500. That's some extra cash to play with this football season. Nothing adds to the sweat of watching the game quite like having a shot at over $1.5 million in prizes. Head to DraftKings.com slash FFF right now for a limited time. All new and existing users can get a deposit bonus up to $500. Plus, new users who sign up at DraftKings.com slash FFF We'll get a free shot at over $1.5 million in prizes with your first deposit. That's DraftKings.com slash FFF for all new and exist and excuse me and existing users to claim your special offer only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Deposit bonus requires a 25 times playthrough. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. ESPN Radio. Breaking news. Quincy Anuma of the New York Jets is going to have, or is going to be out for the season after suffering yet another neck injury. According to Brian Costello of the New York Post, does a good job covering the Jets there. And we're just getting this information right now. Quincy Anuma suffered a neck injury that cost him to miss much of last year. He was signed to a four year extension in December worth $36 million. But, um, this might be part of the reason why the Jets were motivated to acquire Demarius Thomas, who they traded for from the Patriots yesterday, a six-round pick in 2021, going back to New England. But let's sort of start addressing, we don't know much here, but Quincy Anuma played 61 snaps on Sunday's defying it. It's scary when you hear a guy with a second knee, a second major neck injury in a football career. Especially when you're coming back from one that you had mm-hmm. that cost you so much time. And usually this will be the, I mean, the last one put his career in question yeah so you have to think that that might be the case again it's really unfortunate to hear for him uh tough news for quincy anuma a player that was homegrown for the jets a player that they have a ton of respect for uh, just as a, as a person not just as a player so uh, a bummer there four years again though was a contract extension he signed in denver which i'm sorry in december which affords him some security um the jets were unhappy with their wide receiver play in general on sunday so i mentioned the demarius thomas trade We'll get to that 
and then we'll talk about Jamison Crowder value. But just Demarius Thomas, knowing what we know about before the Quincy Anuma role uh, news, plus this Quincy Anuma news, you know, he might have a chance. Like they meant, they just meant have a choice. They they kind of need him to play sooner rather than later now, Mike. Yeah, no question. My thought initially was he would be the three anyway, or essentially be on the perimeter with Robbie Anderson and, and of course, Jamison Crowder in the slot. Right now, they're running Ryan Griffin every play at tight end. Eventually, they'll have Chris Herndon back. In fact, I mean, if you're stashing Chris Herndon or if he's out there on waivers and you're a little, you're struggling a little right at tight now. end, yeah. you might want to scoop him up because I think he's going to play a massive role in this offense, especially after Jamison Crowder saw 17 targets in week <laughs> one, which was incredible. But, you know, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see how it plays out. I mean, I think I think Crowder is really interesting because on top of 17 targets, I mean, his expected fantasy point total was 23.6. He scored 24.3 fantasy points. He had the second highest OFP at wide receiver. So he got a ton of opportunity, ton of valuable opportunity. And I know he only put up 99 yards. I think uh, that Field Yates guy at ESPN tweeted something. He was what, the first. And you want to say that's that the first ever? Yeah, first time ever. And I think I've used on the podcast this week, but I do it again. Let's do it again. First time in NFL history, a wide receiver has had 14 catches or more in a game and had less than 100 receiving yards. Amazing. So, but here's the thing, you know, I, I, I think some people that, you know, I noticed the reaction from a lot of Jets fans was like, actually a lot of Dolphins fans was like, yep, there goes Adam Gase again, doing what he does, Jarvis Landry 2.0. You know, sometimes I look through things so exclusively through a fantasy lens and I'm sitting there saying to myself, dude, he got 14 catches yeah. for the Jets. <laughs> like he had, 23.7 fantasy points last week. I'm good with it. Like, yeah, I don't yeah. care how many yards he goes for. If he gets somewhere between eight and 10 catches a week, the dude's going to be an absolute, he's going to be a top 15 player this year at the position. Yeah, he might catch under and five balls and be a, a terrific wide receiver two and PPR. He could be Jarvis I mean, Landry again, and yeah. I'm good with that. Yeah, and exactly. And by the way, Crowder has never, has cleared three touchdowns in a season once in his career. Uh, Landry wasn't a good touchdown source in Miami either and right. was a, a terrific PPR that one asset. Year, right? Yeah, yeah, that one one random year that was kind of a fluke. But uh yeah, I mean we've seen a top thirty five uh we've seen two top thirty five seasons from Crowder in his career. Would not surprise me if he, he does it again. So let me level set with this being the Mike Clay presents NFL thirty two. It's a Mike Clay production, something we're <laughs> gonna be doing hopefully a lot of on the podcast this season. And Mike now, you sort of laid it out there, uh, but sort of factoring in not just what he did in week one, but the matchup in week two, game script, how you think things will play out. Uh, of course, the game, Monday night, big stakes there. Do you anticipate a monster target week again for Jamison Crowder against the Browns on Monday? Yeah, I do. I do. I mean, not to that extent. Not to, I guess. Not yeah. 17. He could get half of the targets he saw in this game and still would qualify, I think, right? If he ends up in the, what, eight to nine target range. Sure. That's not crazy to imagine. Like we said, we just compared the, compared him to the Landry role. Yeah. obviously, and they need him right now. We don't know how much Demarius Thomas is going to play. Robbie Anderson is not going to be a super heavy volume player out on the he's perimeter been, he's there. He's been banged up to Robbie Anderson. Obviously yeah, sure. He was questionable last week. Until, right, you know. right. But he's also been top 10 in average depth to target each of the past two seasons. That means he's a vertical threat. You're not going to see as many target uh, as many targets for him, but there'll be high-value targets downfield, potentially long touchdowns, which, which you certainly like in fantasy. So, um, yeah, I think Crowder will, will be uh, super busy. Uh, super effective in the short range. Won't score you a lot of touchdowns, but definitely can do enough damage to be a wide, re- a fringe wide receiver too. We'll say in PPR. All right, let's go back to the heart here, Mike, with Deshaun Jackson. Of course, for your beloved Eagles, they play the Falcons Sunday night football. Uh, that's going to be a hungry Falcons team on Sunday night, of course, um, playing at home and 0-1. Uh, Deshaun Jackson was amazing last week, Mike. I mean, he was one of the top five wide receivers in fantasy football. I've got him ranked at 28. You've got him ranked at 32. So. I'm asking you this question, but I think I've already answered my question in doing so. 
Are you counting on Deshaun Jackson to repeat his week one performance? Of course not. I mean, not, not to that level. Uh, there's a few reasons why. First of all, and we're going to talk about OF, I'm going to talk about OFP throughout this. If you read the Fantasy 32, you know, I always lead with the leaderboard for the week in OFP or expected fantasy point total based on usage. And then the guys who are over their heads the most and the guys that were under their heads the most, if you will. Uh, and you would expect them to, to regress to the mean, essentially. Uh, and, and it almost always works out that way. So Deshaun Jackson scored 35 fantasy points last week. His expected total 15, which was 23rd at receiver. He just happened to score on some long busted plays or he just happened to get open. And he will do that sometimes, but also do the opposite, right? We call he's he's probably if you think boom bust from the past decade in the NFL, who's atop that list? I mean, Deshaun Jackson, Jackson, probably, right? You, You got the boom last week. You might get the bust this time around. Keep in mind, he scored two touchdowns in that game. He hasn't cleared four touchdown catches in a season since 2014. So he may get to six or seven this year after starting so hot, but he's not, he hasn't traditionally been a good source of touchdowns. He also played fewer snaps than Nelson Aguilar and Alshon Jeffrey. Interesting. In this Did game. not realize that yeah. part. Al- Alshon doesn't surprise me, but yeah. the uh, Aguilar part does. Sort of the forgotten man in that Philadelphia receiving group. Yeah. So I still have him ranked as a flex, right? Or a borderline wide receiver three. There's obviously appeal, but you have to be ready for some bust weeks as well. Okay. Good to know there. So, uh, Sean Jackson, though, just fun to watch. I also think maybe I'm wrong here. We don't often track wide receiver home road splits, but it wouldn't stun me if Deshaun Jackson is decidedly better and just energized either at home or when playing his former teams. And as far as I know, he did not play for the Falcons previously and the game is being played in Atlanta. So I think, you know, by dint of (laughs) that, I guess we have to accommodate, uh, we have to knock him down on rankings a few spots just because of those reasons. Uh, Miles Sanders, uh, we have him at running back. I have him at 34. Mike has him at 38. Starfania has him at 35. I think many people would agree he looked like the superior runner in week one, Mike. Not a huge game um, in production-wise. Maybe not a lot of flash plays. Is he going to get a greater workload this week after playing a team-high 36 running back snaps in week one? Yeah, I'm, I'm, he's kind of the opposite of Jackson. So whereas Jackson may lose some of these scoring opportunities or touchdowns or fantasy points, Sanders should be able to pick them up. Only four points in week one is OFP. Again, his expected point total 11. That was still only 27th at the position, but it was much better. Almost what triple his actual output. So that's a good sign. That means he was getting the opportunity to score more points. He had some work near the goal line. He'll bounce back, I think. So, uh, 36 snaps in that game on, uh, he had 12 touches. Darren Sproles and Jordan Howard combined to play 36 snaps and uh, had 20 touches in the game. So uh, Sanders obviously played a, a lot of snaps in this one. I think he'll bounce back again against an Atlanta defense. They gave up 120 yards to Dalvin Cook. That game is in Minnesota. This one's in Atlanta, obviously, which benefits the Falcons. But again, you like the fact that Sanders in his NFL debut was already doubling up these other guys in snaps. Uh, again, it's weird to say because I'm a little lower than, than you guys on him, but I still think he's at least in the flex conversation. One of those players that I think those who roster him are hopeful that by midseason he's the clear-cut guy. I think it depends on where... But then again, if you drafted him, because I saw him go in our war room league, I think, in the second round. Yeah, Mort took him 24th, 24th overall. overall. I so too, I'm yeah. sure Mort probably is thinking, like, I want him to be a starter right now. Uh, but for those who may have taken Miles Sanders in the fifth or sixth round, you can probably afford to be patient with him because you may already have had two running backs on your roster that are going to fill your two sp- starting spots as it is. So um, optimism for Miles Sanders, patience is also included, though. Uh, no such patience needed for Josh Jacobs, the first running back taken in the NFL draft this past year. I am at running back 11, Mike at running back 11, Stefania at running back 10 for week 10. Really solid in his debut. My question is this. They play the Chiefs this Sunday. The game is being played at Arrowhead Stadium. Raucous environment. The Chiefs are really good. 
Go ahead, Stefania. Give it a ring. Um, scares me every time. The Chiefs are really Got good. Me. It should. It scares. <laughs> it scares people who go to Arrowhead. How about the passing game involvement for like? Is the passing game involvement mm-hmm. the fact that they can't rush the ball twenty three times for whatever it was eighty five yards for Josh Jacobs? Does that scare you at all, Mike? Because I'm sort of talking. I'm. I, I can't tell if I'm talking myself into this or if um I'm maybe I'm maybe I'm just playing devil's advocate for no good reason. Yeah, I think it could be a Jalen Rashard game. That wouldn't surprise me at all. Yeah. He only played nine snaps in the opener, but uh, this is interesting. Jacobs, Josh Jacobs ran 10 pass routes in that game, only six for Jalen Rashard. So that's certainly a good sign. Actually, three for DeAndre Washington as well. So uh, they didn't need to run the, or they didn't need to throw the ball because they were ahead uh, uh, against Denver. They may need to in this one. That makes you a little bit nervous, but at the same time, Jacobs, I, I mean, I think this is going to surprise most people. It surprised me for sure. His expected fantasy point total of 28 in week one was second highest in the entire NFL and actually higher than his actual output. So he had a good game, 24 fantasy points, scored two touchdowns. He actually should have had more based on his usage, which is kind of incredible, right? On the field for 39 of their 54 snaps, uh, had uh, the 85 yards to two touchdowns rushing, obviously. Only the one target. He did have a 28-yard catch. You want to see more involvement. That makes you a little nervous, as you mentioned in this game script, but obviously a good start and you love that volume and 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 honestly whenever they run the ball it's gonna be him they, they just don't have other Josh options Jacobs. so he yeah. left where do you think he left yards on the field or where do you think he left points on the um field? i i'll have to dive into it. i think it's part of it is was his yards per carry was like 3.6 we talked about this yesterday um some of that wasn't necessarily his fault like he was making up yards uh uh, after after contact and it might have been an additional like goal line carry that he didn't convert that those can kind of add up so right um nonetheless the opportunity amazing right now for for he's josh the guy. jacobs he's yeah. the guy right now in that oakland running game one more here is christian kirk and christian kirk and the cardinals had a wacky week one against the uh Detroit lions down 24 six in the fourth quarter and next thing you know they make it a overtime game and then they end up with a tie uh, they play Baltimore on Sunday, a uh, very difficult opponent. Certainly going on the road uh, only complicates said matters. But can he turn it around after a high volume but low output performance, Mike? Did the numbers tell you a different story that you crunched compared to what the box score said? No doubt. Uh, 10 fantasy points in this game is OFP 19, right? So that's right. his expected fantasy point total was uh, about double his actual output. That was ninth highest at the position. And again, that's going to be boosted a little bit by the fact that they play 10 extra minutes in overtime. Obviously, you have to consider that, but we're not ranking him as a top 10 receiver, right? We're still ranking him as, where, where do we have him? 43, 38, 35. I'm a 38, uh, a flex option, uh, a borderline wide receiver three in 12-team leagues. Uh, but here's the thing. He he and uh, Larry Fitzgerald are now both slot receivers for Arizona. They had a fourth receiver on the field for 76% of their pass plays in this game. In fact, they ran more pass plays with four plus receivers on the field mm-hmm. than the entire rest of the league combined. That. That's amazing. Which is yeah. incredible. That. Yeah. yeah. So personal usage. It was, yeah. it stood out. No doubt. No doubt. And he was on the field for 53 of those 59 pass play side, 24% target share again, 12 targets, the, but oh, only uh, yeah, 12 targets, but only four for 32 receiving did have two end zone targets. Um, and the one final note, Stefan is, uh, 33% of his targets were off target, right? That was that, one of the highest marks in the league. I, that's that's bad luck. It's double the league average. That, that's what I was going to say is if you watch that game, uh, and I, I watched a good portion of it, Kyler Murray was not throwing the ball well in the first three quarters of that game. Right. And a lot of his targets that were the off target throws came in that. But if you look at that volume, 12 targets, even though there were only four receptions, I don't think that's all on him. And I think that he still, remember these guys, you know, they're familiar with each other. And I think that rapport is going to continue to grow in this offense. Will be really, will be very interesting. A good test on Sunday, of course, against <clears throat> Lamar Jackson. 
who was named Offensive Player of the Week for Week 1, and the rest of the Baltimore Ravens. All right, Daniel, before we get to some social questions, tell us a little something-something by a little something-something. Well, some, some, by a little some, some field. Do you ever feel like ticketing websites make getting to the event just difficult on purpose? I mean, the real question is how easy could it be if those ticketing sites actually cared? With millions of live event tickets and a price match guarantee, SeatGeek proves there's a better way. Just search sports, live music, comedy, and more, and SeatGeek has the tickets you're looking for all in one place. So why is SeatGeek better than the rest? A quick look at the App Store shows over 50,000 five-star reviews. How's that for customer satisfaction, Mike Clay? Amazing. Amazing, indeed. It's a better process. SeatGeek pulls together millions of tickets from all over the web, then rates it each on a deal scale of 1 to 10. Finally, SeatGeek displays them on an interactive seat map, and SeatGeek will break down all the details. Green dots meaning they're good deals, red dots meaning they're overpriced. SeatGeek will even give you $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. All you need to do is use our promo code. So download the SeatGeek app today. Use the promo code FFF for $10 off your first purchase. That's promo code FFF for $10 off your first purchase. 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 Nailed it. it. Got it. Purse. Nailed it. Listen, it's not about how you end. It's about how good you are in the middle. Really? <laughs> that's, that's, that's how the honestly, saying goes? Everybody yeah. well, I, don't, that. I don't think I've heard it. I'm pretty sure that's exactly how it has always gone. Keith, why don't you bring this on home with some social questions? <laughs> wait, wait, wait. I just want to point out that on the full screen, top fantasy defense for week one is the 49ers. Let's go. Let's just, I mean, can we have a moment? 49ers could do a lot of things, but to be the top fantasy defense? By the way, points. that's not a surprise to uh, some people. That's right. People that listen to the DFS podcast on Friday with Daniel Dopp and Mike Clay. That was our recommended D. Okay, but did you? Well, I mean, obviously they were. You know, the matchup wasn't the best, but they had more interceptions in that game than they had all of last year. Yep, that was amazing. That is a confidence builder that we need. Yeah, I'm pretending we saw that. (laughs) We we saw that coming. The DFS podcast also mentioned two pick sixes. No surprise there. Keith, what do you got for us, my friend? (laughs) Well, first of all, um, the the. Listeners want to want to say that they think that Stefania is impressive for playing through injury. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Nice. Thanks, people. The people do love Stefania. They I, really do. Well, you know, with good reason. With good reason. I love the people. Yeah. And I, and I'm that's that's me looping you in because uh, also you hit the bell erroneously. The game is in Oakland. You know what? That's my fault. So, totally uh, my fault. Oh, I they said, were telling me it was said, all in my ear. No, that's no. why I did it. So, I said first, the game I'm was like, in Kansas oh, man, City. Put it on me. Wrong. Okay. <laughs> Stefania, <laughs> I owe you a uh, a tea of your choosing to help your throat <laughs> okay. and um, a glass of, no, a bottle of wine. None of this glass of wine. A whole yeah, bottle no. of wine. Whatever you want. Pinot. Yeah, I'm not sure which will help more. Double up. Alright, so questions here. Landon wants to know, Darren Waller or Vance McDonald for the rest of the season? Yeah. <laughs> this is not even just a week one overreaction, yeah. but yeah, Darren Waller, yeah, for me. Yep. Yeah. On. the one that played a ton and, and that clearly was a focal point of the offense. And that John Gruden praised and was like, we're going to get him the ball yep. more. I mean, it's already out there. Yeah. I mean, they he turned Jared Cook's career around. He said he's a tight end friendly offense. He said Waller was going to break out and now he's showing us. I mean, I look, I still think McDonald, you don't have to move McDonald down a lot, but you should move Waller up a lot into that mid pack of, of the uh, tight end one area, so I think he's he's certainly the the stronger play right now. What else, Keith? Yeah, Tony wants to know if you're looking to trade Sammy Watkins today, and understandably, I, I know where he's headed with this. 
which running back <laughs> or wide receiver would you ma- uh, would you accept the deal for? You know, I know this is a tough one overall, but what kind of grouping uh, guys were we looking at? Yeah, I'd be looking for a running back that's a top 12 play weekly. So someone like Josh Jacobs we just talked about, someone like Devontae Freeman who we still have confidence in, Dalvin Cook, players of that nature would come to mind for me for running backs uh, because you're going to get peak value for Sammy Watkins right now. Yeah, no doubt. And if it was somebody that kind of disappointed a little bit in week one, you might even be able to do better, right? So a Todd Gurley or perhaps a carry on Johnson. You mentioned Devonta Freeman. I think that's an excellent name. Uh, if you want, maybe you're like, you know what? I, Sammy Watkins always gets injured. I'm worried he's going to, you know, I want to take it value. I want to take advantage of him being at his peak value right now. Maybe go after another wide receiver, like one of the Rams wide receivers or somebody sort of in that range. Maybe Stefan Diggs, uh, you can make happen if the other player really likes Sammy Watkins. But just keep in mind, he's going to be, we're going to rank him as a wide receiver one most likely the next four to six weeks while Hill's back. Once Hill's back, he's going to fall down to maybe inside the top 25 and that sort of range. Yeah. Not quite as valuable. So you could try to take advantage of that, but he's not a must trade by any means. He's going to have value all season long. Yeah. For, I would say at least a month and a half. Yeah. Jacob wants to know if Tyler Lockett's target share isn't going to spike, can DK Metcalf hold weekly value? Um, it was encouraging in week one, right? I mean, he had four catches for, I think, what, 70 yards? Yeah, it's something, somewhere in that range. Yeah, I'm, he, I'm expecting I just hurt my finger. Uh, I'm expecting <laughs> Mike. Wait, where's the drop? Yeah. I, Ah, my finger. Yeah, I just squeezed it between my chair and the desk. That was the Adam Schefter injury. Adam Schefter. Schefter. I know. It's so appropriate. I yeah. was just going to say that was the Adam Schefter. Like, yeah. and was, oops. Metcalf was four for 89. Four for 89. Okay. Oh, I was underselling it by wow. 19 yards. Okay. Um, so, yeah. So, uh, it's tough. Uh, I'd like to see it a little bit more, um, especially knowing that this passing offense last year, I guess it's the same two players when they were both healthy, Doug Baldwin and Tyler Lockett. But yep. I'm still thinking that the offense runs through Chris Carson. So my answer is hold weekly value as like a possible flex play, maybe. But beyond that, I'm not comfortable going there yet. I think they can support two fantasy starters at wide receiver because Metcalf looks like the real deal. And I think he'll demand targets. I mean, he did a 32% target share in this game. was actually only six behind Lockett in snaps and one behind in pass routes. So I think really the way to answer this question specifically, I think the answer is even if Lockett's volume goes up where we expect it to be, Metcalf still can be a, a flex option in fantasy. So I want him on my roster for sure. I'm a little nervous, like you said, maybe in the short term, just keep him on my bench or if I'm desperate at flex. But I think that, yes, I think the answer is yes, he can be a fantasy star. I was star. a little surprised by how much he played, actually. Yeah, same, same. I mean, too. Same. That's I, mean, a good I thought sign. it was quick. And, and look, I, that's happened before with them. He's a guy I'm not sure will hold up. Durability is a big question for him. He's not a human, though. So that, that much we know about DK Metcalf. <laughs> All right, Keith, what do you got to bring us on home? Yeah, one more question here. Uh, are you more concerned on the slow start for Sony Michelle or Carry On Johnson? Neither. Yeah, really? Yeah. Just didn't feel Neither. like a Sony Michelle game. Well, they couldn't run the ball. Re- yeah, they couldn't run. So I think that'll change really yeah, soon. Uh, yeah, that's my answer too. <laughs> I was I actually wrote the word neither yet right yeah. i mean uh the only yeah. thing that really bothered me was rex burkhead played a lot but then again damian harris was inactive so he kind of stole those touches we thought harris would get i mean it, we have the same concerns with michelle we did before the season he's not going to get any targets but again they just decided to throw the football in this game and they may all season long but at, when they get they to the also goal line, might be up 38 to nothing right, right. at half this week I was yes. say, he could get 30 this, carries right this changes a lot in my but, michelle by the way yeah. did you happen to catch who had the first offensive touch of the season for the patriots yes brandon night? bolden yeah. brandon <laughs> bolden on an end around i was yep. like you've got to be kidding me fantasy yeah. football yeah. in a nutshell we yes. spend all offseason talking about the pay or on that offseason. we spend a lot of time talking about the patriots and brandon bolden gets the first carry that's how you know that this game is more dip this is more art than science sometimes when it mm. comes to being a fantasy 
fantasy football expert. Daniel, he has something else to bring us uh, to a close. Yeah, we got two more questions. We're going to do one from Keith first, and then I'm going to close this out with the final question. Okay. Yeah, one from the chat here um, that just came in recently um, from Trace Wade. If you're looking to trade away Austin Eckler, who are you looking for in return? Should How you to, be looking I, to trade Austin Eckler right now? Can that be a question too? Yeah, I, I, like, but if you could like return value, like again, some of the same running backs I just mentioned, Devontae mm-hmm. Freeman, maybe Carryon Johnson, maybe Sony Michelle, players that I think are going to be their starter, barring injury for the entire season. So Eckler might have a shelf life. He might not, but you know, but Melvin Gordon's going to report at some point. Yeah, and I would, I would uh, position him similarly to Nick Chubb in the sense that. His volume might come down for the fantasy playoffs, right? So that bothers you a little bit. Obviously, sure. Kareem Hunt coming back for Cleveland and Gordon's going to come back for the Chargers. So yeah, if you can somehow pull off, even if you throw in a little bit, a little piece, maybe one of these young receivers or something and get yourself a Chris Carson or Joe Mixon who's going to miss a week. Maybe he's a guy to go after right now. Yep. Uh, Derek Henry, someone in that range. I have no problem with that. All right, Daniel, what do you got for us? This sounds like it's going to be a funny guy. Comment. Oh, no, it's not a oh, funny no. guy question. I just want to ask a smirk. you, I just want to ask you guys a question. In one of my leagues back home, the DPH league, uh, John Ross was added for $11 off waivers. $11 for John Ross is not a bad deal, correct? Right. Not bad. Yeah, no, I saw him going for in the 30s last night. Yeah. yeah so congratulations, Tim Wicks, for doing that for $11. He dropped Tyler Lockett in order Whoa. to add John Ross. Do you agree or disagree with that decision? Does your friend have like a vendetta against yeah. Tyler Lockett? Like, I think he's just, to him. I think he's just allergic to good fantasy decisions, but I, I just wanted to ask to make sure that I was not crazy and that <laughs> the, uh, Tim Wicks no. is an idiot for dropping Tyler Lockett. <laughs> Tim Wicks? Is that what you said? It was? Yeah. Tim yes. Wicks, you're, you're an idiot. He watched, he watched <laughs> the Bengal Seahawks game and that's the only game in the <laughs> NFL history he's ever watched he just watched that one game okay sorry yeah. tim good we, i'm sure you're a nice guy because if you're friends with daniel friends with us but that's dumb with all due respect yeah no whatever good. respect that's, is all, actually that's all that we wanted that's all we good <laughs> all right Let's tim wicks make better decisions going forward you might actually have a chance of winning we are back tomorrow <laughs> wide receiver cornerback discussion plus a preview of bucks panthers and you never know by then we could have 20 more nfl stories to get into for mike stefania daniel kyle Keith, and of course, Jackson, all the way in the back, holding it down. Mm-hmm. We're back tomorrow. Talk to you then. Peace out. If you need a stick of tide, Field is your guy. If you're in Bristol or in Farmington, you should find another ride. Candidly, he hates Mike Clay, and you know that it's a fact. Stats and tweets that'll make you laugh. He's our favorite host, and everybody knows his name. He's Field Yates. Geico gets you access to licensed agents 24-7, which means that Geico is always there for you. If only everyone was always there for you, like your wife when you forget your keys at work. Hey, hon, you get my texts? I am looking for the spare house key. Hmm, maybe I can get through the window. Ah, <laughs> turns out the alarm works. <laughs> wow, <laughs> it, it works fast. <laughs> you, you, you should probably call me back. Geico, always there for you, with savings and 24-7 access to licensed agents.